Hey, Nerd Talk Nation. Welcome to Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead. I'm your host, Jordan. And today I've got some muggles with me being Micah and Alicia. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. How do you really know that I'm a muggle? I'm going to pretend like you're muggles for the mm, conversation. Okay. I was going to say thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> and then we already started off and we're like, hey, we got to argue. Are we actually muggles? No, you know, I'm the most amazing about- co-host ever. Thanks for having us. And welcome to Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead, your executive producer, yeah, yeah. Micah, who produces all of our episodes every single week. And I'm just so happy to be here to talk about Harry Potter. Yes. Today we're Longest talking about... thank you ever. <laughs> well, you know what, what the best part about being a producer is that I can edit all this out if I wanted to. He'll fix it in post-production. Do whatever he wants. Make us sound even better than we actually sound. So we're talking Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So here's my question as we kind of dive into this series of Harry Potter, because over the next, starting week one, we're going to each each week for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about each book and movie uh, or movies, because there is a part one, part two in there. Um, I want to start with this. What started you for Harry Potter? Where did you guys start? Um, Was it the movies? Was it the books? Because that was, that came out when you guys were in elementary right was that I was when the middle, books came out i was in middle school and that's when i first middle got school. okay yep and i yeah. and and to really show my age um i believe i was i want to say seventh grade when i first read the sorcerer's stone and i read okay. the first four books and that was all there was at that point i think jk yeah. actually only wrote four there was you know all intents and purposes to write more to this franchise but at that point Again, to date my age, uh, Jordan, I'm about 10 years older than you are. Like it's that was that was it at that point. And now it's become this this huge thing. So Alicia, when did you start? I was a late starter, honestly. I I didn't read the books right off. Um, I didn't really have any interest in reading the books to be you were honest. Living it. You were living it as a wizard. I, I mean or a witch. Take what you will. I mean, you, <laughs> you have to draw your own conclusions, I suspect I suspect, but I mean, I, so my start was really the movies. Um, and I have to admit the first time I tried to read the first book for whatever reason, I tried probably two or three times and I could never get past the halfway point. It was right around the Halloween part. Trolls of the book. And the I, don't, I don't know what it was, but I couldn't get past that point. Now, as an adult, I've gone back and audiobook, listened to all of the books, um, and I think I enjoyed them so much better. But my first, my first experience was was with the movies. Although I will admit that because the last book they split into two movies, I didn't know what happened. So I watched part one and then, and then read, read the, book. the book. I got gotcha. wanted to know. I didn't want to wait however long to yeah, actually watch year, the movie. Because I think it. I think it was a year they did it. Yeah, it was um, at least a year. Because they did them in summer times because they always tried to put it in July around Harry's birthday because his birthday was like end of July, early August. And so they always would put it around that time frame. Because I remember when that part one came out, I was in Wichita, Kansas. Um, my parents are from there. And so my grandmother, who actually gave me her books, um, she she had the the old books, uh, paperback or something like that. She had a few few that I didn't have yet. And so she gave them to me. But that summer I was out there for a few weeks and. Uh, she took me to go see part one. And then at the end, you just see 
the the cliffhanger and you're like oh no and i'm like well i'm glad i already read it like i know what's happening <laughs> right well, well funny enough uh jordan i have read again when i was in like seventh and eighth grade i read the first four books i never yeah. read the last three or four and really then, and then full transparency i've never seen the movies and so I just for the first time over the weekend watched Sorcerer's Stone and then we're going to do another episode. Wow. I've never seen. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to hear my take on it because I've never, I don't know how it ends. I didn't know so that. I've seen, like part that. Of the, I've read part of the books and I've seen part of the movies, but I've never, I don't know how any of it ends. All right. So here, here's the challenge then. Don't skip ahead. Don't Google. Don't try and figure it out beforehand. Each week as we are recording, I want fresh hot takes as you are as you're going through this because the books and the movies are vastly different once you get past the first one. And um, I think and I think we'll, Alicia like listened to the audiobooks last year, I think, all the way through again. Yeah. So, she, so she's that's how fresh she is on all the books. But like again, I have I've I've read the first four. And that was but again, I was in seventh or eighth grade. Like that, how long ago was that? So like yeah. that's 20 years ago. So like it's basically like I'm watching the movies without ever It's been a hot minute. <laughs> so, watching the movies without ever reading the books basically is how I'm taking this. So it's really funny because you guys are like, hey, I watched the movies, hey, I watched or I read the books. I didn't even get introduced either of those ways. It's actually really funny. So the kid down the street from me when we lived in Alliance, Ohio, his name was Ben. Um, I thought Ben was the coolest thing ever. He watched Pokemon. He played all the games. He had the cards. He had awesome builds with Lego sets. Um, and he had Harry Potter Legos and he had Harry Potter, like build your own, like jelly beans. I think it was something like that. Like he had the, the, the Bernie bots, every flavor bean, but it was like a, it was like a build your own flavors or something like that. Like they, they let you start to build your own candy of some sort. And it was like Harry Potter theme. And so that was kind of my first introduction, but my mom and dad were very, um, no, don't do this. Uh, very anti the witchcraft, which I mean, growing up in a Christian home, I get it. Um, I, I don't want Oliver to, to watch those movies until he's a little bit older. Um, not for the sake of, Hey, they're back. Cause these, the story is amazing. And I think that, that it's something that I want my kid to experience and have the opportunity to say yes. But I also want to take the same approach that my parents did and say, I want you to understand between what's real, what's fake, what's mm -hmm. right, what's wrong. And to truly understand as you go into this, because the first time I saw one of the movies, this was maybe 2006, 2007. So I was junior high um, and we had just got Disney Channel and they were showing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and the Chamber of Secrets on Disney Channel. Um, and I called my mom and we had kids over and one of the kids, uh, he was the neighborhood bully. Um, but he, he comes in and he's like, Hey, Harry Potter's awesome. And I was like, okay, cool. And he, he's like, like using the P word at me. He's like, come on, just, just throw it on. Don't be a, let's see. And I'm like, well, let me call my mom. Let me just double check that she's good with it. And so I called her and I said, hey, it's on Disney Channel. You get it if we just throw it on. And she's like, you can watch this one without me. But from here on moving forward, I want you to watch them with me. And so my mom had never seen them. My mom had no idea. Next thing I know, my mom gets hooked. And then that opened the world for us. And so that was before uh, Order of the Phoenix came out. And so we were very fresh, um, but my mom uh, 
she was like, okay, we'll go, we'll go buy the first movie. So that way we can watch it together. Um, after watching it, cause I had already watched it and I was like, man, this is really good. But we, we, we were like, probably like 10 minutes before trolls in the dungeon, like the halfway point when it was on Disney channel. So I missed like a good half of it. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And then some, some, <laughs> someone from the church was selling a widescreen edition of chamber of secrets and they they bad mouthed my parents for buying it from them at their garage sale because there's witchcraft and wizardry and i'm like but you're the one who sold it you had it (laughs) to this day i still laugh about it but you know harry potter is this this massive phenomenon and so i just wanted to kind of see where did we start with this before we get involved because for me i think it's it's shaken a generation it's I mean, it, I mean, Star Wars is Star Wars, but I feel like it was kind of this generation Star Wars in a lot of ways um, that it just it was something everybody got excited about when Harry Potter was on. Like, hey, let's watch Harry Potter. Hey, like people had big parties and it was every Halloween. Someone you knew dressed up as Harry or Ron or Hermione or all these different characters. You saw Snape, you saw Dumbledores. And it's like it, it shook a generation. It, you saw almost as much Harry Potter stuff as you did Star Wars stuff at Halloween anymore. Did you, um, Jordan, have you ever seen the movie Yes Man with Jim Carrey? It's been a long time since I've seen it. But do you remember the part where his boss, he, so Jim Carrey's character works at a bank and his boss, his name is Norm. And he's the guy that plays Korg, I believe, in, in Guardians and Thor. Taika Waititi? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that his name? Is it the same guy? It doesn't matter. So anyway, in, the, in that movie, they have, uh, you know, theme parties and they do, <laughs> one of the parties is, is Harry Potter and he, and they go to this party and like they watch uh, the Sorcerer's Stone and he's like, all right, gang, it's time for Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> so they keep watching <laughs> the movies and every time Jim Carrey and they did like a up, marathon or something. Yeah, they do a marathon. He's like, all right, time for Prisoner of Azkaban. And they're trying to just sneak out of there because it's so, so long. And I just thought it was funny. It made me think of that. But um, they all dress up like Harry Potter. And just to prove your point, it's just this phenomenon. Yeah, it is. And then like that just continues to prove this point that even pop culture references, they start to and, and still even to this day, people like what I, I was watching something recently and it, it was maybe within the past five to seven years. And they're like, Wingardium Leviosa. And like they just like you just hear these references and you're like, I know where that's from. And then mm-hmm. all of us Potterheads over here were like, Listen, you muggle, don't you try and try and say you know where this is from. You know where this is from. It's not and just like, And of course, like, in oh, my I head, I'm hearing Hermione correcting people. It's Leviosa. Exactly. Right there. And it, it's, it's, it's helped raise a generation of people. Like, we, we know that one, and we, we can quote these references. And I, just, I love that kind of stuff. So diving in towards the, uh, the Sorcerer's Stone, sometimes you hear it as the Philosopher's Stone, um, if you were to just say, Micah, because you have, because you'd never seen this before. If you were to say, even in 2022, because this movie was 2000, 2001, I think is when it dropped. 2001. Okay, so 2001, is it still stand as a good film today? So, a couple of things, and we can get into it as as we go yeah. on. But um, I was telling Alicia the other day when we were watching this, I'm like. Yes, the film stands up, but something that I was super impressed with was for the film being 20 years old, the film, the filmography and the cinematography of the movie was just really, really impressive for a movie that's that came out in 2001. Does that make sense? Like the oh, shot, absolutely. angles, the CGI, 
the technology they used mm-hmm. when they come to life. It looked absolutely incredible. And I mean, like during that time frame, you know, Lord of the Rings, you know, was a, was a really popular thing. Two Towers, Return of the Same King. year, right? Didn't didn't uh, uh, Fellowship hit or Two Towers hit the same year? Two Towers did. Fellowship came out in 99. If you, okay. can, if you can believe that. Oh, my goodness. That's um, crazy. But just the technology and the shots and the the just the way that that movie looked. And I don't know, we watched it on Peacock. We have Peacock, the streaming service. Um, yeah. And all the movies are on there right now. And I don't know if they're like re-released in better quality or something, but like still they, uh, they just looked really, really good. And mm-hmm. um, from everything, uh, like I said, with the cinematography to the filmography to the way they shot stuff, some of it, like now the, I mean, it was the acting wasn't as great as I would, but they were kids and I, like right. for a lot of them, their first film. Right. And so, and the other thing I said, you know, when we get into further episodes on this franchise, something that I'm thinking about is that like, <clears throat> from the perspective of just the movies, I, I almost look at the Sorcerer's Stone as a pilot, right? Because it was, it was the oh, first absolutely movie. it is. And mm-hmm. so like, I, I thought it was great for being a quote unquote pilot. And, you know, like I said, we're going to do another episode on Chamber of Secrets, but like, I felt like Chamber of Secrets, they finally just started hitting the groove and going on all cylinders. It's kind of like season one, season two. Like like when you look at TV shows, I mean, I always point towards The Flash because I think this is just this great example. You have a stellar start. Yeah, there were some rough edges. Yes, there were some pieces. But you start to pick your stride and then you hit season two and it hits really, really well. And you know exactly what you start doing. No matter what the story is, you start to really get things moving. And And then... You, you just have to be intentional moving forward from there because you can get lost in it. Um, and didn't David Yates, did he do most of the series uh, for directing? I think that's who did it. I think he did almost all of the, the series. I think he only missed maybe the first two. Chris Columbus did the first one. Okay. Yeah. I know I that David, he, Yates I think he might've do done the first two. And I think after that, and maybe David Yates did the last four. Yeah. Whichever way, but still, just to, to know that even... I mean, with Chris Columbus is no uh, walk in the park, right? I mean... <laughs> yeah. But the other, so one of the other things, I mean, for them being kids, for crying out loud, they all did a great job. Mm-hmm. And like, I was telling, the other thing I was telling Alicia, and I'll let her, her kind of take it, was that I, other than seeing the reboot of Beauty and the Beast, I've not seen Emma Watson and anything else. And I thought Emma Watson was fairly entertaining in the first couple of movies as a kid actress. Like, I think she did a really good job. Alicia, what do you think? I agree. The cinematography is fantastic, especially the CGI for that time, because you're right. Like, I mean, we're in 2022, so it's 20, over 20 years ago. And for it to still kind of stay in the test of time um, is great. And I think that they did as good a job as you can translating stuff from a book to a movie because you're oh, you're going to lose you're going to lose a lot and you can see that if you've read the books and you've seen the movies you you realize that as you get further on in the series they do start taking a little bit more liberties but again that's to be expected um but from a from a from the perspective of a, a book that is so creative because she, i mean she's making up words she's making up all kinds of stuff to really see it as you're reading it and then seeing it translated to film. I think they did a great job. You know, and this, this one specifically, I think that it kind of looks like, and you guys talk about the cinematography piece. 
there's not been a lot of films that have stood the test of time that you can just sit mm-hmm. back and just throw on. Um, yeah. Like Star Wars. Star Wars has been enhanced and enhanced and enhanced. And I think it's been over enhanced certain ways that that kind of deflects me some days um, from watching A New Hope. Like I don't want to watch the anything that's after the 97 remake. Um, like I don't I don't want to I don't want to see the 2003 editions. I don't want to see the 2011 edition or whatever editions they put out. I want to see more original copy because I think it was just done so well. Then you have Jurassic Park, which we've talked about on this podcast uh, as we as we've gone through some of this. Like Jurassic Park stands the test of time. That mm-hmm. first film just knock out of the park. And and if you guys go and watch, um, it's on Disney Plus. It's called Light and Magic. And it talks about George Lucas's studio, uh, ILM, um, the imagining and lighting something or another. I forget what it's uh, what it stood for. But ILM, they started as a company that George Lucas creates visual effects and, and things like that for his movie, A New Hope. And then it started getting outsourced and it started saying, hey, can Jurassic Park, can we use this? Hey, can we use this for Harry Potter? Hey, can we use this for this and this and this and this? And I'm like, how is it that a guy created a studio in 1977 or or back in the the mid seventies and very few movies have stood out because they use that studio. And like, Mm. just to know the history behind things, some of those smaller pieces, I'm like, like back to the future was one of those that I think used ILM. And I'm like, you go back and you look at these things. I'm like, man, that just blows my mind. How great these films, because it's 2022. Like we're getting mm-hmm. things like Endgame, and we're getting things like, like Top Gun Maverick, where there's just these visually stunning things. But you go back 20, 30, 50 years ago, and you're still getting some awesome stuff, and yeah. it, just, it just blows my mind. Well, so I would, I would also be remiss if if I didn't talk about the film scores in these movies and John. I was Williams. gonna hit that. I was gonna hit that. And you know, oh. Alicia, John freaking Williams. Yes. The goat. Well, Seriously. one of the goats. One of the goats. I, like, I would say the goat. I think everybody else is like sub goat. Well, but he is the goat. I would agree with that because he's ninety, and the rest of them are all in their fifties and sixties. You know, thinking of of Danny Elfman and Hans Zimmer and Alan Silvestri. Speaking of Back to the Future, he did. Yeah, he did those yeah. movies, and he also did. Guess what? Avengers: Infinity War and Avengers: Endgame and the Avengers theme. So, like, he just Alan Silvestri's a as a goat in his own right. But like um, Alicia and I was watching the Sorcerer's Stone the other day and, you know, John freaking Williams, he did all eight of these movies. He's done all the Star Wars films. He's done so many iconic movies. Right. But something there, they stand out. That's the beauty is like, you can, you hear pieces that kind of go over mm-hmm. each film. Like you well, can hear his and fingerprints. And that's what I was but- going to get at. So mm-hmm. like, the other day we were listening to this and we're listening and watching Jordan. I don't know how much you've listened to film scores, but Alicia and I both listen, you know, we listen to film scores a lot at work while we're working Oh yeah, and to Hans Zimmer's channel or John Williams or, or whatever. Right. And so I was listening and watching this movie the other day and I was like, you can ask Alicia, right. We're on a zoom call right now. You can see her reaction, but like I was sitting there and I, and I was just got this kind of like off into the, off into the, and he pauses the movie. Cause I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, uh, what's that theme? Yeah. It's the same <laughs> notes. You, you hear those same, fingerprints. It's the mm-hmm. same theme. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I paused the movie. I'm like, wait a minute. 
and like, cause I have perfect pitch and I can, I, that, 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 that makes so much sense to me. Right. And then we mm-hmm. also, and even home alone too. There's stuff of home oh, yeah. alone in there. And Alicia was like, is that hook? Because John Williams also did hook. Oh, I so forgot he so did much, hook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's so much like magic that he just recreates over the course. But of that's time. his fingerprint too. Like you, you hear people talk about musical fingerprints. Like that's his fingerprint. Exactly. Well, and like, and I was watching Star Wars uh, Rogue One today and, you know, anticipation for the Andor series and uh, Michael Caccino does the film score for Rogue One. And as the story is told, the guy that they originally hired for that got fired. And then Michael Caccino had only six weeks to write that film score and he did it and he, he knocked it out of the park. But guess what? John Williams poured into him. And guess yeah. what else? John Williams did Jurassic Park. And guess who did the Jurassic World franchise? Michael Caccino. Oh, that's cool. It's like it's like it's parallel, but at the same time, all these themes they run together, and like Hans Zimmer does it too. All the all the great composers do that kind of stuff. So absolutely, I I was just two things that I was super impressed with, and like we didn't even touch the plot of the movie, right? But like, oh yeah, we haven't hardly even got into this thing. But yet. the two things that super were super impressive to me about um, this this the the movies that I've seen so far is the the cinematography, the filmography the shooting of the movie itself, the actual production and the film scores. Like you just can't. Oh yeah. John Williams goat. He's like the Tom Brady of film score writing. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's go ahead and dive in on this. Um, yeah. I want to know who was your favorite character. And we're going to say out of the main three. So Harry, Ron, Hermione, out of that trio, who did you sit with the most? Like just, just gut reaction right here, right now, Alicia, who, who's your go-to out of the three? <laughs> I feel like I have to say Hermione, but honestly, she is like, I think that she's, she's very no nonsense, which I very much appreciate. Um, and I very much relate to that as well. Like I'm just no nonsense. Um, but she, I don't know, like, she's just, she's very intellectual. She's so freaking smart. I think she broke the mold. Oh you yeah. Go in, you, you go in and look at anything pre 2000 and it's mm-hmm. like, women are not typically your smart very like glue you know Mm -hmm. i don't i don't care what anybody says harry is not the glue to that story harry is the 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 focal piece that keeps me interested because he reflects things that i see in myself and that is why i like Harry. yeah and and honestly the glue and she was she's a great role you talk about like role models especially in like in movies she was a great role model to say you know what girls it's okay to be smart absolutely and I don't know if, especially in the time frame that it was coming out, if people really even understood that. Mm-hmm. Because I think that, you know, even, I would say even into the 90s and 2000s, we still had a very women try to stay home, have the kids, keep the house, things like that. Um, yeah. That mindset where she's like, no, go get a job. Like, go support yourself. You, Make a difference. No man needs to be the one that you're depending on. Depend mm-hmm. on yourself. And it's like, it took how long before she even found someone to fall in love with? Like it, yeah. it I think her character was so, just done so well. Micah, yeah. who did you like out of the three? So I would almost, you know, I was going to pick her, but then Alicia did. So just to be different, I would pick Ron. <laughs> I think Ron's hilarious. Ron is the wonderful comic relief. Like there's those moments where everybody else kind of has like their, their funny moment where they, they make you chuckle, but Ron, I think, is just that and junior I think, high boy. <laughs> well, that, but I think what he, what it does for me with his character is the fact, like his 
we talk about it a lot in different episodes that we do, but like his facial reactions and his timing uh-huh. is just so on point. Yes, it's perfect. This is what I love the most about Ron is the chess game at the very end. He yeah. has the knowledge that no one else has. He is like the one guy that he's the he's, Sam DeFrodo. Yes. Yes. He's the one that doesn't always get the credit. He he struggles with his own insecurities. He's lost mm-hmm. in, in the crowd because he comes from a family where there's like seven kids and he's he's the, the youngest boy. And then the, the kid behind him is a girl, the only girl. Mm-hmm. So like he's kind of lost in all that. And we see that play out over the series. But, you know, Ron just Ron is awesome. I feel like Ron is like that best friend we all want. Well, and let's be real. Chess is not an easy game. Like, no. Like no, even I, regular chess. Like I yeah. can't play. I can play checkers. That's my limit. Like I can't. I can't do check. I can't do chess. And like for him chess. to go in at the end, knowing that these are not going to just like you fall over or like moves off the board. No, these things break each other. Yeah, you will get crushed. And to, and to sacrifice himself. Mm-hmm. I I was blown away. I'm like this. This just shows to a testament of his character. At the very beginning, I'm like, dude, I could write a sermon series off the friendship level of these guys. And I'm like, whoa. And also knowing that Ron did not care about Harry because of the name. Mm -hmm. Because Harry was nice to him. And he saw the potential for friendship and had his back. Even when Harry probably shouldn't have had it. Because there's a few moments throughout the series, as we'll continue through, there's a few times where I'm like, ah, dude. Like the whole like, uh, and I'm not going to get into it because Mike hasn't seen it. Uh, but Goblet well, of early Fire. on, early on, yeah. like it seems like Harry is a, yeah. a celebrity, right? And everybody wants to, everybody, well, everybody really likes him or everybody hates him. And it's like Ron just wants to be his friend to be his friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, R- Ron wasn't there for fame and glory or anything like that. He knew probably going into it, oh, I'm never going to be seen. But I wonder if that was the introvert in him. Mm-hmm. Because I honestly, I think I think Ron is an introvert. Just looking at it, I'm like he can hide behind a friend, but knowing that Harry is as loyal to him as he is to to Harry, and mm-hmm. just having that brotherhood and that bond, I love that. Yeah. Now I will say this though: neither of them are my favorite character. I'm Harry all the way, <laughs> um, and for the sole purpose that there are certain pieces about Harry that she wrote so well that J.K. Rowling just, I see. I look at Luke Skywalker. I look at Marty McFly. I look at Indiana Jones. I look at these characters. I don't see myself in them. There's, I'm not some whiny butt boy from, from Tatooine. I, I'm not this doctor who goes on adventures like Indiana Jones. And I'm, I'm not a kid who gets to go into the future of the past. Like that's, those things are not me, but the way that she wrote the friendship and the story mm-hmm. of his friendship, I don't think the plot was even remotely Voldemort and, the whole story. I don't think that was the main point of that story. I think it's friendship and having mm-hmm. each other backs in a world that does not promote that. And I think that there were certain pieces that very Christian, uh, and I, I don't think she claims Christianity, um, but very Christian ideas come out of this story. And I just sit back, I'm like, whoa, like I could totally write a sermon series on this. I could totally see where this whole brotherhood laying your life down. I mean, we see, we see different themes that come out from this series that play out in scripture as well. And I'm like, whoa, I, I just, I think she did so well. And I see myself mm-hmm. a lot in some of the things that she wrote out with him. Um, 
and just the loss of loved ones, the, the trying to, am I good enough? Can I carry this prophecy on my back? Can I do what people are telling me that I am or, or, Hey, I found this natural talent, but am I really good enough? And speaking mm-hmm. of natural talents, let's talk about Quidditch real quick. Oh my gosh. What did you think about Quidditch and uh, just the way that it was played out? Did you like that they did that as their wizard sport? Because like in America, we have football being American football and we're not as big on soccer, but then you go over to Europe and they've got like soccer. And what did you think about just seeing how that played out with a wizard sport? I think it was cool to see. I mean, again, you want to have that different perspective because it's a different, it's a different world, essentially. It's its own, it's its own culture. Um, and to have something that you can really relate across wizard, the whole wizard culture in England and in the United States. And I mean, it was just such, such a creative and such a simple way. I think that it was easy to say, you know, look, we have this, this thing that's special and specific to us. I mean, it's such a fun game. I mean, I don't, I don't pretend to know all the rules on it um, because it's honestly confusing, but most sports confuse me. So I like, <laughs> it's fine. Like that's I think fair. about like, it, it's kind of, I feel like the scoring is, is, is very similar to like tennis or golf. Like it's not always easy to figure out and keep up with. Um, but the fact that, you know, they're beating down balls, they're catching the snitch. They have, it, it feels like a mashup of a whole, a whole bunch of different sports too. And the fact that they're flying around on brooms, that's yeah, cool. I, I, and then you got the the bludgers and mm-hmm. the beaters and all that. I'm like, that was, I, I can't even come up with games for youth ministry on my Wednesday night some nights. I'm like, I've got, I've got a friend, his name's Garrett, who like he helped us and he would come up with a game and like he could create a game on the spot. And I like John Trussell, um, former, former uh, employer of mine who, who ran a camp he could come up with games and he started building things and he, he can do all that stuff. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not creative in that way. Mm-hmm. I can't just like on the spot, create up, create something like that. And she not only created that, but she created a whole world and like, Hey, here's like five different teams that mm-hmm. Ron can name right here on this page. And right. it's like, Whoa. So, so Micah, when Quidditch happened in the first movie uh, with Sorcerer's Stone, what did you think? How did you react to them flying on broomsticks? And, and because I think when we look at witches and wizards, we like wizards, we think more Gandalf, like long beard, mixes potions, has magic spells. We think of witches on broomsticks, things like that. But to put a sport on broomsticks and not make them how Americans see it and to, to take this spin and, and create a sport and all that. What did you think of seeing Quidditch? I thought it was interesting, again, you know, not to harp on this forever, but like the the cinematography for that alone was really, really impressive for something that's 20 years old. The other piece of that is that um, it was almost like a, like a lacrosse or some other kind of sport that was more contact driven. Yeah. And it, um, it was done really, really well. Like I think, and that was the, for all intents and purposes, the, the point, right? Because not everybody liked Harry. And so there was going to be a little bit of rough housing within that sport. And so they were able to allow that contact with one another, you know, even in the sport. So like when the, you know, they got, 
bum rushed off the broom and it, and it broke or, you know, they hit them with the ball or they weren't paying attention or they got, you know, distracted or, or thrown off course. Like it was, it was a really cool take on, Hey, let's, um, you know, add a sport to Hogwarts, add a sport to this school, because, you know, let's face it, the three of us have went to school at one point or another in our life and there were sports, whether it's basketball or football or baseball or hockey or whatever it is. Like yeah. they wanted to add sports or a sport to their world. And they did. And I think they did a great job with it. And I also have to say this. So Harry Potter was, was starting around the time that I was getting ready to go into college. So I started college in 2003. And I can remember even my cousin, who's a little bit younger than me, who was super into like the, in, into everything like Harry Potter. She read the books she was diehard with the movies and I can remember her calling. I had, I think I had graduated college by this point, but I remember her calling me. She was on campus one day where she went and she was like, Alicia will never believe what I saw today. I said, well, tell me about it. There were kids playing Quidditch in the quad. And I was like, Oh yeah. Hold up. We need to talk about this a little longer. Um, what? So they're like, they colleges. And I don't know if it, it, it ever bled down into high school, but there were colleges that had Quidditch teams. They would run around on rooms and play Quidditch. It was not crazy. flying. It was it was just on the ground. Yeah, I, right. I know. Um, I think Anderson University had a Quidditch uh, program. Like they just had a Quidditch club or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a recognized sport. Like right, Eastern, it was a club. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was more like a club. But I remember that was one of the big things that people were drawing us towards because they were like, "Oh, are you a Harry Potter fan? We've got a we've got a Harry Potter club, and they play Quidditch on on Fridays." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, that sounds sweet." So. No, I, I sit back and I think this is just an ingenious way to incorporate, hey, we're not playing basketball. Hey, we're not playing football or soccer or hockey. We needed something for them, for those who wanted to be athletic. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really cool. I loved the way they did that. And for future books and movies, like how they continue with that and how it heavily influences Harry's life. And um, and even in his, in his history of knowing that, hey, my dad played Quidditch. Um, I don't have any connections to my dad, but knowing that I am doing what my dad did, like, that's really cool. And that helps influence his character. And as they do this story building, because like, I, I played baseball, my dad played baseball. Um, I golfed, my dad did not golf. So like, I didn't connect with him on that level, but I knew that when I played baseball or when I would play sports, I knew that I was being athletic, like my dad was. Um, so like, those were pieces that helped me connect. And I just think that she just wrote those so well. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that. Um, and then I was thinking about this while we were talking, because when you, when you're talking about Quidditch and Hogwarts, you don't just have a team you're playing for your house. So Mm -hmm. we're going to get into the, the fun question of who is your Hogwarts house. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start with this. That way it gives you guys just a minute to think about it. Um, I have a feeling Alicia, you already know who, where you stand. Um, but Micah, that way you can start thinking about it for me. I think that I, I've taken the test a lot of times and I almost always come out as a Gryffindor. Um, it's pretty evident that I'm, I'm a basic uh, person. Um, I just go with Gryffindor. That's just where I'm at. But I think that the adventure, um, the willingness to sacrifice the, the choice of, Hey, I want to be in Gryffindor. Um, like that, that was, I read something not long ago and it said, uh, when you look at, at uh, Hufflepuff, 
you want to love everybody. Uh, you're, you're seeking to, to include everybody. When you go for Slytherin, they see that you have potential for greatness um, and that you're striving for that. Um, and then you look at Ravenclaw and you're after the after knowledge and you want to be there for, for that. But the reason that people get thrown into Gryffindor is because they ask for it. They want that, that it is a desire. And so it's desire driven. I was like, I love that because for me, that's where it would come from. I wouldn't want to just sit in a different house. I'd want to be in Gryffindor, um, which always typically puts me in there anyways. Um, but the few times that it hasn't, whenever I take the test every now and then just to see if, I, if I've changed or whatnot, the only time that it hasn't, it threw me in Ravenclaw, um, which I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm a dummy over here. I don't deserve that one. <laughs> so, uh, but but I, I love Gryffindor. I think that it also helps that I know more about Gryffindor because of the books um, where I don't know as much about Slytherin or Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw because the books don't have the main characters there. Um, so Alicia, where do you line up housewise? I would be in Ravenclaw. I wondered. And honestly, it's just because of that. Like I'm constantly thinking like it's the knowledge piece. It's, it's no different than how I've gotten as far as I have in my career. Like yeah. I'm constantly seeking knowledge on how to do things. Like I may not be taking classes, but I'm always thinking about, I'm always, I'm so curious about how can I do this? Like, how does this work? Like, yeah. and I think that that, like I I've taken, I've taken a couple quizzes and I actually took one recently within the last couple of days just to kind of see. And it was one that it didn't tell you definitely. It was like, you're this percentage, this, and you're this percentage that. And I always followed like, are either following Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff? Which I find funny because like I'm not saying that I'm like a mean person, but when you think about Hufflepuff and like harmony and you know patience and loyalty, and I'm like, I mean, You're I'm like that's not people, me. <laughs> but like, and I'm pa- I can be patient, but for the most part, like harmony doesn't really like. I love a challenge. Like I don't mind challenging something if it puts me at odds with somebody else. Like yeah, it's never been a problem for me. So I think I would be Ravenclaw. Micah, what All about right. you? Micah. I have no idea. Which house did you like the best representation wise so far? Do you want me to read you the Wikipedia, the Harry Potter wiki no. like description of the houses? No, I just, I really like, I, I understand it and I understand like the point of it, but like, I really haven't taken the time to think about. He's not a big Harry Potter nerd like us. He's, he's Slytherin. Just getting back in. You're going to make me a Slytherin because of that. <laughs> no, honestly, what, what I would say, if I had to put him in a house, I think I'd probably put him Ravenclaw. Now, you yeah. know him You know him better than I do. I mean, you're married well, to him. The creative, like, uh, Ravenclaws are really known for being creative. Yes. Well, put me in Ravenclaw. It's, 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 more, it's more than just, like, the seeking it's, knowledge yeah, it's, part of it. It's That's a big piece of it because of how you have enter into the hall, like when you're going to bed or whatever. But like, I think that he would be in Ravenclaw. Yes. And I, I think maybe that's why it also threw me into, uh, into Ravenclaw when I took that test was mm-hmm. because it says, are you creative? Are you filling? Yeah. And I, I think that might be part of it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I love getting to hear what people say. Cause I've got some friends who um, <laughs> one of them looked at me. She's like, I'm a Slytherin. And I was like, Nice. Like you have to, you have to be fair, because like, yes, Slytherin gets a lot of hate throughout the entire series, but they're because not of all the bad. And witches that they that they have produced, but they, I mean, other houses have produced evil witches and wizards, but they're, I mean, they are pretty smart. Like they're cunning. Yeah, the 
the only difference between Gryffindor and Slytherin is the choice. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to is I've chosen to be in Gryffindor. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I could totally see how some people would say, hey, you could be a Slytherin. Because I think a lot of people say, oh, Slytherin's the bad group. No, they're, they're not they're bad really houses. Not. It's just what's produced. It's kind of like when you look at Christianity. Okay, Christianity had the Crusades, and it had Westboro Baptist Church, and it's got all these, like, cults and things like that that, like, claim Christianity. That's a small percentage. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at Voldemort, you look at the Malfoys, like, even if you look at the end of this series, Malfoy is not the villain. Yeah. He's just misunderstood and he is guided wrong through yeah. his adolescence. And at the very last, like that little epilogue in, in book seven, there you know he is not the villain. Yeah. And it, it's just misunderstood. Yeah. And so now Voldemort, yes. Grindelwald, yes. Those what guys, is- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But but even didn't Merlin wasn't he a Slytherin or something like that? Or was he Gryffindor? I don't remember. I thought they said he was one of the two. Um, and I could be wrong. He could be Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw. I have a one in four chance here, but, <laughs> but still. Um, anyways, I just, I, I love talking about the houses and all that. So what was your, from the movie perspective, what was your favorite scene in the film? And I'm going to start with Micah. Uh, you guys mentioned a little bit earlier, but the whole scene with the the chess at the end of the movie, like the chess game, the the bigger version of chess, like it was pretty incredible to see that and how they did that. Yeah. Um, we didn't really talk about it earlier, but like, let's talk about how mean his parents or the the uncle and aunt. Were. Oh, the Dursleys. Oh my goodness! Oh. I want to go through the TV and choke them. Okay. I mean, so mean, I mean, they, they, they were, do, I mean, they're doing their, it was the point. Right. But like, right. it's still, well, and, and this, this will be a conversation when we get to book seven, but when they get theirs. They finally get theirs. No, no, no. It, it's, it's different. And for all of our Potterheads out there, you know what I'm talking about with the, the idea that Horcruxes and we'll get into that later. Um, so stick around, check us out in a couple of weeks when we, when we hit that episode, but I, I think there's a reason and it just hadn't played out yet. And you don't know why they are so downright despicable. I, you know, we'll talk about it in the next episode, but I love it when, when Ron's in the car and they pull him out of the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the chess, the chess match is probably my favorite scene in the first one. Okay. Alicia. I love the introduction into Hogwarts. Like I love how, like the first years coming in on the boats, like they do every, like that's the tradition for the first years. They don't go in through the other way. They go through the boats. Um, just how like, I, and people can't see on Micah's background, but it's the, it's the night scape of Hogwarts. I just think that it's so like, it's very mystical and magical when they walk into the great hall and there's the candles floating and I don't know, just something about that is just, it's such a great introduction to what that world is going to be like. And I just think that that's, I don't know anything in the great hall. I've always enjoyed all the scenes in the great hall. You mean how like during the Christmas scene when it sounds like home alone because John Williams did the film score. Yeah. that. <laughs> I think I love when the invisibility cloak comes into play. Yeah on Christmas day and 
the the whole attitude changes of that film because i feel like up until that point they completely were setting things up i mean the troll in the dungeon yeah there's that fight but it, yeah. the stakes were not raised yet and they hear about nicholas flamel and mm-hmm. they start getting a little deeper and you're like oh there's a little bit of mystery here mm-hmm. and then he takes the lamp with him and he forgets it because it, it crashes in the library and like th- there's just those pieces and also when the the invisibility cloak comes in he also gets his first christmas present mm-hmm. and that brings me to tears as an adult knowing that this kid for 11 years i thought about that the not- other day when we watched it now now maybe he got christmas gifts in his first year or two of life when when his parents were there i would assume so yeah but in his I remember there's no way that he would remember ever getting a Christmas gift mm-hmm. because I know like in later books, they, they talk about him on a, on a, like he was little and, and James and Lily, his parents get him like this little broomstick that he gets to like a toy car kind of thing, but mm-hmm. he flies around on this little, and they, they give you that imagery. And I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. Like mm-hmm. in the books, but they never do that in the movie. And so like for, for moviegoers, those who don't read the books, they really don't catch that. Yeah. Well, even like I, this is jumping ahead a couple of a couple of books slash episodes, but it, when he gets a sweater with all of the other like Weasleys, Ron yeah. and it, like when all the Weasleys like he he in the book there's so much more description of it, but just like he he got a sweater and for somebody was like oh I mean Ron was probably was complaining about getting another sweater, but here Harry as you're right like he's so thankful for getting something because he's not had a lot the humility and humbleness yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely so oh and for the record uh merlin was was a slurin thank you for that i I thought i saw that when you when you showed the s i was like i think she's saying (laughs) slurin so yeah so there's one last thing that i want to touch on before we wrap this episode up there's this villain that starts his descent onto us as characters um, through a, a guise of Professor Quill, which we think for the longest time it's Professor Snape. So spoilers if you haven't haven't watched Harry Potter yet. Um, but but Professor Quill comes in and he unravels his his turban, and you see this animated face come off the back of his head, and it's Lord Voldemort or as all of us Potterheads know, he who must not be named. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts of this battle of the, the good versus evil, the, the initial point of how they introduced this character where he wasn't the villain the entire time. Like it wasn't like he comes in and he's, he's there attacking Harry the whole movie or, or Harry's like fighting this urge or whatever. Like he's just got those few issues throughout the book and it's very simple but by the time that we hit this point and he he reveals himself, what did you think of, of Voldemort showing up? I, I want to say, like, they did a great job of making it think, making us think, like, if you've never read the books, right, or if you had read the books and never watched movies or, you know, vice versa, um, they did a great job of making you believe that Snake was the bad guy the entire time. Oh, yeah. Right. And so like that was a well, great, from his appearance to right. how he acted, right. everything. Snape it was is just, a great. It was a really good distraction. Right. And it was a great know, bait Scott, and switch. You know, Ugh, Scott, Alan Rickman. Scott and I are huge uh, 
professional wrestling fans and we talk about heel turns right and so like mm-hmm. you think somebody's your best friend the whole time and then they turn on you out of nowhere and that's like the greatest heel turn ever like this is a great example of that especially with with um professor snake it's like you think that he's going to be the bad guy the entire movie yet up oh, just kidding just kidding yeah and, and alan rickman just played an amazing <sighs> professor snake i love alan rickman like we talk if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I love me some Jeff Goldblum. I love Alan Rickman. Yeah, I, I'm still sad that he's gone. Mm-hmm. I just like he did, I mean, from his Hans Gruber to his Professor Snape. I mean, I've seen him in a few different things, and I'm I just sit back and I'm like, you just crush it. Galaxy Quest. Well, oh my gosh, Galaxy Quest. Like um, solid. And I can't remember what his character's name was, but um in Robin Hood and like the late 80s early 90s version of robin uh, hood. uh is that prince of thieves yeah 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 uh i forget who he played I mean, but he yeah was, like, i know, the I know. Evil, the, he was the bad guy but alan rickman i love alan he's rickman. just phenomenal mm-hmm. so but but back to voldemort did we like the bait and switch did we like this character that he just shows up out of nowhere i mean i like that they i like that they bring him in at the beginning because he is a big piece of Harry's story. Like he, I mean, a huge piece of even why Harry is where he is right now, because I mean, he killed his parents. And I think, you know, I do think that Snape gets a bad rap and we'll see that throughout the series. Um, It was a bit of a bait and switch because professor Quirrell was, you know, he was just like, just a weirdo. Like, I don't I didn't really expect like, it from him. No. And that, and that's that was that was the perfection in it is that you would have never you would have even would have expected other characters even if you didn't suspect Snape before you suspected Professor Quirrell. Yes. Absolutely. So, what do you well, think Jordan? You know, I, I love because I know the books, I know the the whole story mm-hmm. leading like through the whole thing. I think this was a as, as we said, this is like that perfect pilot that mm-hmm. like you got a taste of how nasty this dude is. He's yeah. willing to kill an 11 year old boy. Yeah. Like he was willing to kill a baby. Yeah. He's, he's, th- this guy is willing to do the deed and it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, come on, dude. And for, for the way that they wrote this character for them to make him so iconic and to start him the way they did. I'm like, he's, he's literally clinging for dear life. Mm-hmm. And then by the time that we get to, to book four and we see the change and we start to see everything and you're just like, Oh snap. <laughs> so, well guys, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, but this is our first episode in our run for Harry Potter. So if you like Harry Potter, definitely keep listening uh, through the month of October. We're going to be pushing out episodes into the first week of November. Uh, but guys, thank you so much again for joining me. And you guys can catch us next time here on Nerd Talk.